Welcome back to Transformative Teaching, a facet at IU podcast. Katie Metz here with Michael Maroney. Hello, Michael. Hey, Katie. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing A-OK. I'm pretty well, excited re- about this semester. And- yeah. At the time of recording, it's the first day of school. I'm always excited. And I get the jitters. I get the first day of school jitters every year. My husband has talked me off the ledge. Um, I'm in year 13 really? this year, Michael. What year are you in? 27. That's fantastic. And our guest... Hannah Haas is a senior, uh, a teaching professor, newly minted teaching professor in the congratulations. English department at IUPUI. Huge congratulations to you. you. What year are you in? Um. Oh my goodness, I lost count at twenty. Twenty <laughs> <laughs> something. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I hear you. I think it was a big thing for me because ten for me was twenty twenty was COVID, and so I think it's to like. I don't know, do my song and dance that I would do for an anniversary. And this is lucky 13. And so for some, maybe I'll eventually stop counting, but not yet, much to my husband's chagrin. <laughs> so Hannah, what are you most excited about for the first um, week back or for this upcoming semester? What energizes you about a new start to the school year? I think I'm just always excited to have a new start. I think that's one of the things that I really like about teaching. It's like anything that didn't go <laughs> as well, you always have an opportunity to address um, and then you always get a new start at the, the new semester. It ends, right? Like <laughs> even if it's not going great, it ends. That's, really <laughs> that's right. The cyclical right. nature of it. I agree. Me too. So like do it- you keep, how do you keep track of the things that you want to change or is this just sort of kind of a holistic, you let it kind of do a batch job in your mind. I always like, I am always sort of keeping mental notes of what worked, uh, what worked well, what didn't. Um, and surprisingly, although my memory is not great for anything else, like I remember <laughs> all of those things <laughs> tend to be a little bit critical of myself. And so, so yes, so I, I know what those were and I try to address them. Yeah, I was looking at your kind of the, the list of courses that you teach. So you teach a really wide variety from a genre perspective. It looks I, like you've got creative in there, professional in there. And I think I there was one other um, course type that I saw, a writing type, writing genre. So um, are, is your approach different when you teach those classes? My, yes, my approach is always a little bit different depending on the class that I'm teaching. And my student, my student, like, demographics in terms of majors mm. are, are kind of different um, for the courses too. So I regularly teach um, W231 professional writing skills. And I tend to have a lot of science majors in that class. Um, and then I regularly teach creative writing classes. And in the 200 level classes, I have a huge range of majors. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'll probably have a few English majors, but more like, more like I think I average about three or four um, English majors and a lot of students in all the other majors too. So I do, I do have different approaches. And sometimes- I love that. I love it when I have like a really interdisciplinary sort of student body in, in my classes. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And it's, it's so great in creative writing to get all of their different interests and perspectives showing up in their work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, um, we talked about, you know, your, your approach might change a little bit between like this professional writing class and this creative writing class. What do you think the biggest differences in in your approach? The biggest differences? Well, um, business writing, you know, when I'm teaching business writing, it's 
important for students to know some of the basic conventions, like what do people, you know, what do audiences expect out of a subject line? What do they expect yeah. from an opening paragraph? Things like that. So, yeah. I mean, that is a little bit more like a little more instructive and prescriptive than creative writing, where in creative writing, you can, you just have like a myriad <laughs> of approaches yeah. and different approaches for um, poetry, fiction, and creative nonfiction. Sure. So, sure. Yeah, I mean the 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 um, by the way, creative nonfiction is and poetry are my probably my two favorite genres. Even though I don't get to teach either one of those, uh, <laughs> um, but the the this notion of of kind of the generative creative process in both uh, professional writing and and in in creative writing uh, is is um, something that I don't think a lot of people think about how how you have creativity going on in both of these spaces and it just, it looks really different, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of it. <laughs> yes. And well, one of the reasons that I, I mean, I, I feel like my background in poetry is really helpful in professional writing, just in mm -hmm. terms of being concise, thinking about tone um, and things like that. So yeah, it's nice that they're, they're, they're different, but they're, <laughs> the skills are transferable. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Katie, you look like you have a question in your in your I, mind. I sort of do. I'm kind of going back to this like fresh start revision thing. And I know that people look at me like I'm crazy and this happens a lot. But I take like notes every semester. I've got this Word document up and I'm taking notes every time something goes wrong or something goes right or there's a glitch. And Hannah, so I'm a fresh start person also. Hannah, how do you approach that? Um, I teach a lot of different preps. It sounds like you do as well. And so how do you kind of keep those ideas fresh in your mind and consistent? And I would add to this without doing too much work, <laughs> making it manageable for you, not letting great be the enemy of good. Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, my mental, my, my mental notes work really well for me. I know that they're not enough for like formal publication and things like that, but, <laughs> um, and then, um, you know, I, I like to go through everything for my courses, my either my syllabus and my assignment guidelines for a for an in person class on campus, um, or like all of my modules and all of my materials for the online class before the semester starts. Um, usually, I'm pretty good about managing my time. Um, this semester or this summer, I got really overambitious and just wanted to make. I was like, I'm choosing fixing everything that I didn't like exactly the way it worked. Um, and so I was a little overwhelmed this summer in doing that. And I'm not quite as far along on, on yeah. <laughs> the new online class that I'm teaching as I would like to be. But I'm really happy with what I have so far. So. So yeah, I think just for me taking that time before the semester starts to really um, do a lot of planning. Like when I'm in class, like I need to, I need to not plan like my lectures and and activities to the point that I'm completely rigid in the classroom. Yes. I will do that. <laughs> yeah. So I have to make sure that I don't over plan if I'm if I'm in person, um, but. When I'm teaching online, there's like almost no way to over plan. <laughs> I'm not. That's a really interesting distinction. Yeah, for sure. Like reading the room, the audience, but but that's a lot more, I think, complex in person. But also the expectations for your students are different online, where they sort of expect, I think, in general, to see a course mostly developed, 
by the time that you hit publish on that first day of school is that about your experience as well I mean, as much as possible yeah. you publish. I know that some students get a little overwhelmed by being able to see the whole semester, but some students, it's really helpful for them, especially, you know, especially the first few weeks when they're maybe not as busy in their other classes. Mm -hmm. if, they can, if they can see what's coming and work ahead in a few, that can be really helpful for them. So yeah. I try to get, you know, at least the first few weeks modules triple checked, right. <laughs> triple yeah. checked. And the quality before, can before, yeah. Well, before the end of the first week and get everything published as quickly as I can. But I do you need that like triple, quadruple checking. Before? I have like one site that is completely done. They're both in person, but one class is start to finish, beautiful, done. Second class, um, I got today done, right? And then <laughs> we kind of like roll from there. It's actually kind of a good exercise though, like you just said, not to get too far ahead of myself and just let things come organically, especially when you're newer to teaching a class. I think that that's really important. Like I said, not letting um, great be the enemy of good. Mm -hmm. Michael, you're just itching so, to talk. So Hannah, you, you, were, I, you mentioned in, your, in, in some of the materials I read that you, um, that you, uh, you use backward course design. So um, then you were just talking about this idea of over planning and, 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 and so like what popped into my head was, well, if you're using backward course design, then you're planning, you know, you're planning from the end in mind all the way to the resources you're providing. And it's, it's a pretty rigorous approach. Um, if you've, if you're doing that, is it really a thing like over planning? I mean, what do you think? Oh, if I'm in the classroom, I can get to the point where I have, I have notes and timing <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. you know, and then if the, if the, if the in-class discussion starts to take a really interesting turn that I'm like, oh no, like what about activity <laughs> two? Okay. Like, how will I, you know, will we have enough time for this writing exercise that I've planned at the end of the class? And so I just need to make sure that I'm flexible, that if, you know, if we're having a good discussion, that I realize that it's okay, that I don't have to yeah. try to jam the writing exercise that I planned into that very last, you know, few minutes of, of class. Uh, yeah, I mean, so it sounds to me like this idea of of planning to a point, but also being flexible with ourselves is is, is important. And are there things that you do to help yourself kind of maintain that flexibility? Or, I mean, I don't know. Do you just give yourself a pep talk before you go into class? <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> a pep talk, yes, a pep talk, and then just making sure that I am really like present and listening and not just kind of like going through a checklist of all the mm. things that I okay. have planned in my, in, in my notes. Um. I'm a real, I'm a real kind of go with the flow kind of a guy. So I will have a, a pretty ornate class lesson plan most days, but I kind of let it go in different directions. So I have kind of the opposite, opposite thing going on where I have to make sure that I'm checking an, enough of the boxes. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's, it, it's interesting to hear someone who's like, okay, I really plan it down to minutes <laughs> and I have to give myself space. And I'm like, I give myself all sorts of space. I need to make sure we hit everything. <laughs> oh, I'm curious to both of you, actually, um, how you balance in, in that case, the give them space or give myself flexibility with the keeping students on track slash maybe um better way of phrasing it is 
helping the students understand the learning outcomes of the class. So keeping them from getting confused about the ultimate objective, right? Um, I tend to play it a lot on the front end and then be more flexible during class when I flipped classes. But I always think the most important thing is that they understand the outcomes of the class, learning wise and task wise. So both for both of you, how do you balance that? I'll let you go first, Hannah, if you want to. <laughs> I've got my answer if you were, if you would prefer. <laughs> go ahead, and I because I'm still thinking about. <laughs> okay, well, so Katie, I use I basically when I talked about the lesson plan, I really write it up in a kind of a tilt framework where, uh, and I and I and I actually do a Google Doc and share that with all of my students so they can see kind of the class from a tilt framework design. And um, I will even list out things like, okay, this is the group activity. Um, and this is an individual activity, but there's always reflection. It always comes back to reflection and kind of takeaways from the class. So um, it, it is really oriented around those, uh, those class learning goals, class level learning goals. Mm -hmm. And they can see it. I actually link that yeah. page on the front page of Canvas. So the whole way through the semester, they can go back and track what we did. Do you think uh, they do? Um, a little bit, a little bit. But, and the reason I, I, I think that is because some of them will ask questions and say, well, you remember when we did that, no. I was looking at that that day, I was, went back and looked at our notes and blah, blah, blah. So that happens a few times a semester. That's I don't know. Awesome. I wouldn't say all of them do it. I mean, we wouldn't expect that. I know I wouldn't have. <laughs> no, I know, but that's, that's my, the genesis of my question, my follow-up question. Hannah, what do you think? I, I think I'm better at doing that in like um, in the syllabus and the assignment guidelines and in the online classes, like all my modules start out with like the, you know, the goals for learning for the week, et cetera. Um, I think I've been less good about doing that in in-person classes. And that's probably something that I need to work on when I go, you know, when I'm back in the classroom the next time. Um, I think I'm good about outlining what we're doing. Um, in the classroom and it's it is clearly linked <laughs> in my notes but perhaps i'm not communicating that to them quite as well as i as i could have been in the classroom i mean um, so much of this comes down especially when you're doing online it's like the, the the way you design your course site matters so much right and, yes. and and it sounds like you're putting a lot of uh emphasis in into that to help your students so is there like a is there like a favorite thing that you like to do to help your students navigate your course site? Oh, um, I mean, I just, everything is a week. <laughs> okay. So, so do you I use have, the module approach? Like I weekly use the modules? module approach and okay. every, you know, so I have a, a module for each week. Um, each module starts with like an introductory page that outlines the, you know, the learning, the learning objectives for the week. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, and then the the assignments and you know all of the the reading assignments activities et cetera all follow in you know link by link. Okay, and do you do like the the thing where they have to go through it in the order that like so you set it up so they have to go through the yeah. order that you I, um, put it in, or do you let them kind of free range go through the module? I've never locked it down so that they have to go through it in order. You know, I hope that they will because that's the way it's supposed to make sense. But yeah. again, like when I'm teaching, especially teaching creative writing classes and things like, I mean, you just get such a myriad of different people's processes. Oh, that for I sure. Don't wanna, I don't want to lock things down in a way that could restrict someone from doing something the way that it makes the most sense to them. 
That's yeah. a really good point, actually. Um, and it goes back to kind of universal design principles for a class and just in, um, enhancing accessibility in classes. If your brain doesn't work the way my brain works and you need to skip around or do whatever, um, that's a that's really useful. I personally have always hated this idea of being locked out of something um, <laughs> if, it, if there wasn't a good reason for it. It's like, oh, you have to follow in the sequence. Well, why? Let me at least see the expectations. Um, one thing I did in my class, I just taught for the first time um, first day of school today, syllabus day, right? And I told my students the specific tools we were using on Canvas. It's an in-person class. I said we're going to use pages, assignments, syllabus tab, grades, people, or something like that. And I think for me, at least, it was really useful to help them understand the tools. We could have all of these tools. It's kind of overload sometimes on that left-hand side of the course management site, especially, and the reason I'm saying this, especially online, Laying that out for them was like, here are the three things you need to know about the layout of my class when you hop on Canvas to keep them from getting overwhelmed. Um, and so hopefully, like Michael said, hopefully people took that <laughs> advice or hopefully it helped. But even if a few people use it, awesome. I, I, Hannah, I'm assuming that you're doing asynchronous online or is it synchronous online? It's asynchronous. Yeah. So you probably have to drag any tools you're not using below the out of the navigation, I'm a, I'm assuming. Yes. Otherwise, your students get confused <laughs> real fast, right? <laughs> yes, I, that, I'm so glad. I didn't know that until a few years ago that you could do that. I thought those navigation yeah. things were set. <laughs> so, I mean, I knew I could move them around, but I didn't know that I could move them out. But yes, I, I now know and I have been moving them out for a few years. But my my course page is set up to be modules. So what they okay. see and my first one is always like welcome to such and such class like click here to get started so yes I think I, IU has done a much better job recently too of making that more universal and more accessible I know uh, Michael and I where we teach they have a specific template that we can use and it's actually helpful and our students say that the more continuity they have among their classes in terms of course management layout the um better off they are at the beginning of the semester it's oh true. yeah and, and so that's university wide even so students yeah. who are taking classes on on multiple campuses are pretty familiar with that template now um i so what do either of you use this course setup wizard this this semester that's brand new right those, uh, there were a couple of things that I was afraid to try this semester because I had already taken on a little bit more than I should have. So I haven't actually looked at the at the wizard um, okay. or the, the course setup recommendations because I was like, well, I wish that you would have these for us when we first started with Canvas. Now I have things yes. set up in a way that I was afraid that if they were different than the way I've been doing it for years, that I was going to make mistakes. Yes. I plan I to look at that for next semester. Yes, I had the same yeah. sensation. Well, I used Michael, um, Kel the Kelly School Business has a has a template. Right. Also. And so it's not really the setup wizard as much it is as it is. You download the template and then it has pages yeah. to kind of help you yeah. set up similarly. I did it the first semester I learned about that. And what I found was that the um the graphics were helpful if that makes sense so like I don't know how to make highlight something or make things different colors but I was deleting a lot exactly what you said Hannah which is I have I was one of the first adopters of canvas I adopted it this summer that we were able to and I have my own thing 
within had my own I just got a lot of good ideas I was afraid I was going to click on setup wizard and it was going to explode <laughs> my canvas site with stuff I didn't need or hide like create stuff and then hide it so I didn't know like if I needed to get rid of it so the template like starting off is really helpful but yeah I was with you on that I was I was scared Michael yeah. Well, so this is actually great feedback for, for the UITS learning technologies yeah. folks. I'm going to tell Justin to listen. Justin Zemlack is one of uh, a director. <laughs> like, you need to listen to this episode. But I can imagine as a first year instructor, somebody who just wants to plug and play, that it would be really useful as they're starting to get used to the template. And um, Michael at Kelly as well, we have instructional design technology um, yeah staff who help out with that so i found going to the human asking questions was more useful to me than clicking a explode button i didn't know what it was <laughs> i was like so nervous so i yeah but hannah same thing i know how to use canvas if it explodes on me i'm gonna be mad <laughs> start over yeah well that, that makes sense it's so, these kinds of conversations too that keep me like make me remember that I need to to know that my students feel this way about things too right (laughs) for sure for sure something new isn't just something new that might be really good and helpful but something new can also be something really scary and that you don't have to use a thousand different tools to get your point across right you can keep it simple and I think that I've learned especially through COVID that I don't have to use a million different tools and activities to get the same point across Right. Yeah, I mean, the simple, a lot of times the simplest sites are ones where you can see it on one page, right? It's, yeah. You've got like, it's almost like a course map. And it's, That's what I do. It's right there on that front page. Yep. Well, and I tell my students, if you click on my, my um, class on Canvas, because you know, they have a million classes on Canvas. I'm guessing oh, yeah. we don't yeah. organize them as efficiently as we probably do. I said, click on my class and on the home page, like you don't have to click any more buttons, just my class. You'll see what you have to do for the week. And they go, oh, don't touch anything else. Read that. <laughs> and what I put the um, learning outcomes for the week on there too. Just they don't read it, but it's there. So yeah, no, you're right, Hannah. It's like everybody runs into these things for better or for worse. So one of the things, I mean, I'm, that was very interesting about Canvas, but I want to talk about you now, Hannah, <laughs> <laughs> if you don't mind. <laughs> No, not at all. So I, I, I was, um, I was really interested in your and your learn statement. How you talked about students in the online environment having a harder time with making revisions that were at kind of the conceptual level uh, than your face-to-face students. And I wonder first, why do you think that happened? <laughs> um, probably. I just, I don't think that I did as well thinking about how to teach it online Mm. Um, because yeah I just didn't I think I didn't didn't really think about my approach like I gave them the things that my students and I were doing in the classroom but I didn't require them oh okay (laughs) and so I think I sort of assumed that people would be like oh this is helpful so I will do it (laughs) um and they were busy and stressed at the end of the semester and so those helpful things may have been there, but I don't think that they were really using them. Um, and so thinking about ways to to make it required. Okay. So the, the, they weren't taking advantage of the opportunities that, that you provided yes. um, in the online environment. 
Yes. So I provided all of the, the same exercises that I provided in the classroom, but because there was no assignment attached, I don't think they were using them. And then So when I, you say assignment attached, was this like activities you would actually do in, during class, like in the in-person class so that they had yes. to do them? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So in the, yes, in the in-person, <laughs> in the in-person classes, I was like, giving them, you know, options to do like four different revision activities. Cause in my, in my introduction to creative writing class, I have students writing poetry, fiction, and creative nonfiction. And then they choose two of their pieces to revise for the final portfolio. So yeah. someone might be working on a fiction piece the week for revision the week that other people are doing poetry and creative nonfiction. So I needed to give them choices. Um, yeah. I really like that you're doing that. That's that. That's really pretty cool. Well, I, just because I'm just I'm curious, how does it fall out in terms of what students decide? Do you have more students decide to do poetry, or more students decide to do creative nonfiction, or? Um, in that class, they're required to write at least two poems and one short story to ensure that they're prepared for the you know to go on to the full semester classes or the, and then the upper okay. level classes if they want to. Um, so I, everybody, almost everyone in the class ends up revising a poem, but then um, their other pieces are, you know, are their choice. Okay. Okay. So I, I took class like, I, my undergrad was in, in English uh, and you had to choose a, a track and mm -hmm. I, my track was writing. So I, ha I had a lot of multi-genre types of writing that I did in undergrad class. So I had a class that sounds a lot like the class that, you, that you're teaching right now. And um, so I, that's one of the reasons I was curious. <laughs> yeah. So as we are sort of finishing up this conversation, these always fly by. And I'm um, thinking about the many, many new faculty who are starting here at this vast IU system and just in general um, this week. And I personally have received a lot of questions from our new faculty in my department about all the things from syllabi to um, accommodations to accessible and inclusive classrooms in general. Um, what put yourself in um, those people's shoes from however many years ago we first started, what advice would you give to somebody starting their very first day of school year one this year? What would you say to somebody? They oh come to you and say, I'm jittery. <laughs> I don't know. What's I know. I, know. First day school I, I think that, you know, I think that my advice would just be like everyone's jittery. And I think the more that we can sort of acknowledge that with each other as faculty, I mean, maybe I'm not going to tell my class how jittery I am because it pretty much shows on my face anyway. Sometimes, <laughs> But I think with other faculty, like I came in thinking, look, everyone is so like prepared and put together and they must not be, you know, nervous like I am, et cetera. Mm. Um, and, you know, a few years later, I realized that, you know, that's not really the case. <laughs> So, so yeah, so everyone's jittery. And then I think that for me too, that I need to, I was reminded of how my students felt because sometimes I get caught up in my own stuff or sometimes I've taught, you know, I teach students who are freshmen through seniors. And so sometimes I'm just not thinking about the fact that I'm teaching like a first semester freshman who is new to Indianapolis on their very mm -hmm. first day of class. And I was like, oh my goodness, like, how do you, you know, what do you want your professor to do or say when you are that very, you know, it's your very first 
first class ever. I always feel like it's a lot of pressure to be like, I'm your first teacher on the first day of school ever. (laughs) Well, not not to put that pressure on yourself, but just to be, you know, just to be kind. And, you know, I, I thought it was lovely when, you know, if, if a faculty member like offers to, you know, give you directions or, you know, or anything like that. I mean, I know students have GPS now, but, <laughs> but I started offering, you know, just, just let me know if you have any questions about campus or if you need to, you know, if you need some directions to where your next class is, <laughs> so, I mean, that's, sorry. that's a great, a great answer. I mean, so Katie, I think you asked for one thing. I think we just got three really, um, awesome pieces of advice the be kind and empathetic and helpful where you can be be student oriented and and this idea of of kind of give, giving yourself grace and knowing that it because everyone is kind of in the same boat and and, and they have the butterflies <laughs> you know and that just means okay. that just means we care <laughs> it's okay if things don't go exactly right on the first day i didn't have technology in my class the, today mm. i was supposed to yeah and i didn't and guess what we all lived I know. Yeah. It was like a su- successful first day if I have on shoes that match <laughs> and, and like in the right place at the right you know, time. On time. And yeah, you're not, you didn't overwhelm yourself with caffeine that morning. <laughs> Hannah, thank you so much for taking time out of a very busy first week of class to chat with us. And congratulations again on your newly minted yes, professor status. It's super exciting. Thank you. It's so nice to talk to you today.